This coming week, our nation will celebrate Independence Day. It is now 240 years ago that our country adopted the Declaration of Independence, declaring independence from Great Britain. The second paragraph of the unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America begins like this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. For a message, I want to consider life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness God's way. I want to begin by reading an article entitled, The Paradox of America. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings, but shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more, but have less. We buy more, but enjoy less. We have bigger houses, and smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, yet more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. We eat too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too little, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush and not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less and less. The paradox of America is, is sad. We know this is true for many in our world today. And unfortunately, so often, we find ourselves being swept into this same excess of riot. God's will for us is not that we run with the world to the same excess of riot, like it says in 1 Peter, but that we experience true life, true liberty, and true happiness. And so I would like to think about that this morning. I'd like to think about true life and true liberty and true happiness God's way. So let's think about life for a few minutes. How is true life obtained? Turn, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. I'd like to read 10 through 13. How is true life really obtained? 
You know, America says we need to go to the top. We need to get all that we can out of life. Go all the way. Don't be content to be on the bottom rung of the ladder. Go to the top. But how is true life really obtained? 1 John 5, 10 through 13. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. The key to true life is found in verse 12. He that has the Son has life, and you notice not just life, but eternal life. Jesus offers eternal life in heaven to those that believe on his Son. He that has the Son has life. Galatians 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, what about desiring a good life, a full life? Is that a good desire for a Christian, to desire a good life, a life that is full, a life that is rich, a life that is full of blessing? Is that a good desire? Well, turn to Psalm chapter 34, and here in this psalm, we have that very question along with the answer. And we find that in verse 12 and 4. I mean, 12 through 14. Psalm 34. Verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Who is that man? Well, I believe that would be all of us, right? We all would have that desire. So what should that man do? Verse 13 and 14. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now that doesn't exactly sound like the American way, does it? But do you desire a full life do you desire many days? Do you desire good things? Well, here is the formula. Here's God's formula. He says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The formula for a full life. The formula for a life that is full of blessing. You know, 
God ask no man whether he will accept life. We had no choice in the fact that we were to be born or not to be born. That was not our choice. God does not give us that choice. Life is something that we take. The only choice we have is how we will live the life given to us. So let's think now about liberty. The CIA motto, it's right there on their building in Washington, is a quotation from Jesus. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The full quotation is found in John 8, 31 and 32. If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. As strange as it may seem, we find true freedom only when we love and obey God. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Many people who live in our free country are not free. We see that all around us. They are slaves to the masters of this world. Jesus said in John 8, 8 34, that whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 4 and I'd like to look at the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 4 and we will read 18 through 21. But here we have the words of Jesus and what Jesus is saying here, he's repeating prophecy of himself, prophecy that the prophet Isaiah had spoke about many, many years ago. And so we will break in at verse 18. The setting is the synagogue and Jesus going into the synagogue and beginning to speak in Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and he closed the book and he gave it, gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. What do the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the blind, and the bruised have in common. What do they have in common? Would it not be bondage, a hopeless situation in which there seems to be no way out? 
For an example, a person that is bruised, that word bruised has the thought of crushed. Physical bruises, as we know, come in all shapes and sizes, not to mention collars. They show up quickly after we have been hurt. The bigger the hurt, the bigger the bruise. There are many bruised people in our community. These bruises come through the hurts of unfaithful relationships, unfaithful friendships, physical abuse, substance abuse, sexual abuse. These hurts, these bruises, this crushing has a way of controlling a person. Such hurtful experiences can keep one in a mental state of bondage. Jesus, however, came to give us liberty. He came to bring us freedom. Jesus said, I have come. And if you notice, Jesus said, I have come and I have brought exactly what each group of people needs for freedom, for liberty. He says, I've, bring, I've came to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, that's what the poor needs to hear. They need to hear the gospel. It will make them rich. Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted need healing. Preach deliverance to the captives. The recovering of sight to the blind. You notice Jesus is bringing exactly what each group of people needs. Liberty, freedom. Folks, the declaration of independence doesn't hold a candle to this. In John chapter 4, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And folks, that is freedom, that's liberty. And it's found in that living water that only Jesus can provide. The pursuit of happiness. Do you want to experience the joy of the Lord in your life? Do you want to experience a joy unspeakable and full of glory? The story is told as Benjamin Franklin concluded a stirring speech on the guarantees of the Constitution. A heckler shouted, all them words don't mean nothing at all. Where's all the happiness you say it guarantees us? Franklin smiled and replied, my friend, the Constitution only guarantees the American people the right to pursue happiness. You have to catch it yourself. You see, happiness and true spiritual joy is out there for every Christian, but we have to make the effort to catch it ourselves. If you're not happy today, I would suggest that you take a moment 
and go look into a mirror. The mirror will show you the problem. Now, psychologists say people need three things to make them happy. First, they say a person needs something to do. They need a focus. Second, they say a person needs something to love. Third, they say a person needs something to look forward to. And I would agree. I would agree. And I believe the Bible would agree. However, do keep in mind that a psychologist and the Bible may not exactly agree on what these three things should be. But the truth is, God has something for each of us to do. God has something for you to love. And God certainly has something for you to look forward to. What we must do is take a step of faith and let God lead us in these things. Now the word happy is certainly a Bible word. I find the meaning of the word interesting. It varies slightly depending on the original word that it is translated from. But let's look at several places in the Bible where the word happy or a form of the word is used. And let's begin in Proverbs 3, and I'd like to read 13 through 18. Now here the writer of Proverbs tells us that happiness is found in wisdom. And as I read, notice the value of wisdom and the rewards for finding it. I want to think about that some, but more what I want to show you is how the word happy is used in the scripture. But let's learn from what the proverb writer has to say. So Proverbs 3.13, he says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand riches in honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Now the, now the verse 13, the verse 13 happy, simply means blessed or happily blessed. In other words, happy right now is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. He's a happy man. Now the verse 18, happy, has a slightly stronger meaning. It means to be straight, right, to go forward, to go on blessed, to go on happy. It's more the state. I'm happy today. I'll, I'll be happy tomorrow. I'll be happy next week, next month. Go on happy. Let's see, what was that verse again? She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy, they continue to be happy, is everyone that retaineth her. So there's two forms of the word happy, as we find them in Scripture. Now I want to look at 
another one, and we find it in Matthew chapter 5 and other places as well. But I want to show you the third form of happy that we find in the scripture, and we find that in verse 1 through 12 in the Beatitudes. Each Beatitude begins with the word blessed. The definition of the word blessed is similar to the two happy words in Proverbs. It's similar, but yet a stronger form of happiness. It has the thought of supremely blessed, fortunate, well off. And so do you desire the highest, the best, the most superior happiness that can be found, then follow along as I read Matthew 5, 1 through 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Do you want true happiness? A joy unspeakable and full of glory? If so, I encourage you to study the Beatitudes. Here's where it's found. You see, Jesus' way to happiness is not the American way, but it's God's way. It's the only way that will bring true life, true liberty, and real happiness. Psalm 32 verse 12 has that blessed word like we found in Matthew 5. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his inheritance. In closing, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are Bible principles. But without the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts, we will pursue them in a wrong way. In John 14, chapter six, I'm sorry. In John 14, verse six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. You see, apart from a trust and faith in Jesus Christ, no one will ever find true joy and satisfaction on this earth. We must have our confidence in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
When that becomes a reality in our hearts, then we will find real life, real liberty, and true happiness. And so I encourage you to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I like that verse. It talks about us. That's all of us. You know, Patrick Henry, he became famous for saying the words, give me, give me liberty or give me death. But you know, on Henry's plantation, few had liberty, few had freedom. Patrick, Patrick Henry was a slave owner. Many of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence, they wanted freedom, they wanted liberty. They didn't like being under the laws of Great Britain and being told what to do. They didn't like the taxes. They said, give me liberty or give me death. And so they signed the Constitution. But under, but back home, you see, there were people who were in bondage. They were not free. Patrick said, I don't like slavery, but he said, I really don't see any other way around it. But he said, give me liberty or give me death. But in Christ Jesus, all of us can be set free. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Us, that's all of us. We all can experience freedom. We all can experience liberty. We all can experience true happiness in Jesus Christ. We'll call for a closing song.